Hi, today we are talking about simple, easy strategies when working with those shy singers. My name is Nikki, and this is the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hello, thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Nikki Loney. I am from Full Voice Music, and I really appreciate that you are listening today. Uh, um, for those of you who are new to the Full Voice, uh, my colleague and I, Mim Adams, started the Full Voice Workbooks 12, ooh, more than 12 years ago. We started researching 12 years ago. And uh, we developed the Full Voice Workbooks, which is a curriculum for young singers. And our organization has grown into uh, resources for voice professionals, whether you are a private teacher like myself, uh, whether you are a choral director uh, like Mim. Mim does a lot of uh, choral directing. Whether you're working in a classroom, in a classroom vocal program, welcome. I hope that you find these uh, our website uh, resourceful for you and please check back because we are always adding great information. The podcasts are, I've wanted to do podcasts for a while and I have a lot of great guests lined up. Uh, not just about singing but business related podcasts about running your own studio, your teaching studio. Um, I'm, I'm actually this afternoon, I'm, go, I'm off to talk to a really great choral director and I'm so excited to share this information with you. And and uh, this is our first podcast, so I'm really excited. And I chose the, I chose the topic of strategies for shy singers because that is something that it doesn't matter whether you are a private teacher or a classroom teacher or a choral director. You are going to have to. You're going to have the challenge of working with the shy singer. And those are the singers who have beautiful little voices, but they don't want you to hear them. And uh, working with shy singers can be challenging and uh, frustrating. Sometimes I know there's an amazing little voice in there and I, I just want to hear it. And one of the challenges as, as a private teacher is if, if a student's not willing to let us hear their voice, it, there's not much we can do to help them. And sometimes a lesson becomes just sing out for me. Can you just sing louder? I can't, you know, and, and the only instruction you're giving the singer is sing louder, sing louder, or fill this room. And so I wanted to uh, talk about strategies, simple, easy strategies that can be applied um, to, to when you're working with those shy singers, uh, just a lot of different ideas. And uh, we did a blog post on this a, a little while ago, and we got some really great feedback, really great comments. So I thought this would be the perfect podcast. And I also have one other confession. So I am a very lucky lady because my husband has a professional recording studio in our basement and uh, it is really quite convenient when you want to do recording to have a, a professional engineer in your home. So uh, my husband's going to be the producer. He's going to make sure that I sound great and everything's clear and the mixes are awesome. So thanks to my hubby for that. So let's get started. So 
when you're looking for strategies to help those uh, to help unlock those hidden voices, because I really truly believe they are hidden, and I just wanna I just wanna mention that you know quiet singers you know, often get overlooked. Um, Sometimes they're turned away from private teaching studios. You know, teachers say, well, they're not ready yet. I think that's unfortunate. I think that uh, quiet singers, shy singers are really ready for singing lessons. And I think that the shy singers are important members of any chorus. And uh, we we want to make sure that they are included and um, we just might need to have a different approach with them. And that's okay. So the first thing, I know it's kind of an obvious thing, but we sometimes as voice professionals forget um, because most of us, most voice professionals are confident performers and we're confident in our singing voices after years and years and years of developing our skills. So sometimes we forget that, you know, and it's not just children. Uh, I have lots of adult students who need to be told repeatedly that they're doing just fine, that their singing is great, that they are moving in the right direction. And for kids, you know, it could be just a big smile, you know, or a sticker beside the exercise that they're working on, a thumbs up. I love high fives. I have a lot of little boys in my teaching studio, and uh, they love you. You ask them for a high five, and they're they're they they will a big smile comes on their face, and uh, and they give you the high five, and that goes a long way to unlocking those voices and just really well-chosen words of encouragement and I think also reminders and this is also helpful too when you're when you're when you're working with families because sometimes moms and dads might not be aware that the singer is making progress so you know things like that was great your voice is getting stronger Uh, Or even asking them, do you hear how much louder you are singing? I really notice a difference because parents might not. And the student might be really frustrated. So if you keep giving them those kind words, it really goes a long way. And I think we need to remember, and, and again, it's not just children. I have lots of adults. They, we all have that little voice inside our head that fills us with doubt, that fills us with fear, that is constantly, you know, giving that negative internal dialogue. So we have to counteract that by uh, telling them, no, you're doing great. This is awesome. Keep, Keep working. You know, a big smile goes a long way, a high five. And that feedback is so important. And I kind of have a philosophy in my teaching studio is I want to make sure that my students leave each lesson with a big smile on their face. And if mom and dad are in the lesson too, I want mom and dad to have a big smile on their face when they leave too. That is so important. Now the other the other suggestion that I have, and I think this is really helpful, again, of with vocal students of any age, is when you're giving them feedback, when you're giving them instruction, try to use really obvious or interesting visual or, or numerical feedback. And what do I mean by that? Well, um, sometimes students need a, a clearer understanding of what we are asking them. So sing louder is pretty vague. And that little singer might be thinking that they're singing pretty loud already. 
So when we're, when we're instructing them, when we're coaching them, we could say, you know, that is only 50% of your voice. I need 50% more. Or, you know, using spatial um, instruction, like, can you fill this whole room with your voice? Can you send your voice to the back of the room? Uh, can, do you see that poster on the back of the room? Send your voice right over there. When we kind of make it really obvious and clear and using that kind of feedback and instruction, I think you'll notice a, a bigger difference and, and more uh, uh, immediate improvement. And one of the things I do with my teenagers, because teenagers can be funny sometimes. I love my teenage students. Um, they make me laugh every week. But I'll say to them, so they'll, they'll be singing and I'll be like, uh, okay, that's pretty good. But it's only like 72.5% of your voice. So can I need more. And usually they'll sing a little bit louder and I'll go, okay, that's like 75%. And they'll usually laugh. Making your students laugh is also very helpful and getting their voices out. They'll probably roll their eyes. If it's, if it's my teenage students, they'll roll their eyes. And, but what happens is they now understand that they're actually not putting that much effort into being louder. So I always usually see a much louder sound um, and it's usually accompanied with a deeper breath. So it's a really good little game that you play with them. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, reflectively, too, I'll be like, you know, last week you were singing like 95 percent. Where did that voice go? And then you'll find that they'll step up to the plate. So those are really great little suggestions for getting those voices out. Now, the other the other suggestion, and this is something that um, I think a lot of teachers might be might be making a mistake and and you know we all have a different approach so um this is just my opinion um but when the voice teacher the voice coach plays the exercise on the piano and sings with the student i know a lot of teachers do this how do I know? Well, I used to teach at a very large education, music education center. And, you know, if I'd have a break, I'd, you know, walk down the hall and poke my, you know, just kind of check out what was happening. I wasn't spying on anybody. Okay, yes, I was. Well, but often I would hear the piano playing and I would hear the teacher singing. And then if I really, really listened, I would hear a tiny little voice hidden between the two. And when we do these kind of exercises... Um, we're just giving our students an opportunity to hide. And the shy singers love these exercises because they do have a place to hide. And um, what we recommend, and we use this method all the time in the full voice books, is we encourage singers to sing a cappella whenever possible, especially the first lessons. I have some new students uh, coming up and I can't wait to get started. I don't touch the piano when I am getting started. I will make them sing tonic solfa. We use movable dough in the full voice books and I might give them a starting pitch on the piano but then I I sing a little bit. I might demonstrate but then I make them sing. Now this might be a little awkward in the beginning but what you'll find is that when they start singing a cappella, they have to listen to their voice. They have to listen to their voice. And this method in encourages independent singing right from the very beginning. And I can't tell you what a difference it makes by not giving them your... Now, that doesn't mean I won't correct them or I might not sing with them if they need a little bit of help. But 
uh, and you can use the tonic sofa hand signs. For little students, your young students, tonic sofa hand signs are a really good way to focus their energy. Um, for older singers, I have the tonic sofa wall cards. So we, you know, I can point to the to the, the pitches that I want them to sing. And this is also, by the way, an introduction to sight singing. They don't know that. Don't tell them that. But it does help them down the road when you're learning intervals and sight singing. So anytime you can do exercises or warm-ups that do not have all that extra assistance for them, it's very effective. And I have uh, several colleagues who are choral directors, and they do the same thing. The, the choral warm-up is not done with the piano, and um, they prefer that kind of approach. So uh, we're moving into the other thing that I, I started to touch on, incorporating music games. Music games are really good to help students relax. And again, uh, we have um, tonic solfa games that we use. And actually, if you go to our free resources page, we have a whole bunch of ideas for you. They're free. You can download them, print them off. You can use them. When you get students in, and I use, by the way, I use the tonic sofa games with my adults as well. It's They're very effective. I also, so one of the games I love and my kids love, it, I call it follow the hand. Now I know this is a podcast, so you can't see it. So I'll explain it as best as possible. But I have the tonic sofa hand signs, uh, hand uh, wall cards. And again, those are free on our website. If you're looking for some tonic sofa uh, wall cards, you can print them up. But I have them on my on my uh, wall, and I play follow the hand. So we always start with do, and I will put my hand on do, so they have to sing do, and then my hand moves to re, and then they have to sing re. And if they make a mistake, it's no big deal. And then I might go back to do, or I might repeat re, or I might go up to me. I keep it in moving in steps and repeated notes. But the thing is, they don't know where I'm going, so they really have to focus. And uh, you know, when you're starting off, you could just do one, two degrees of the scale um, and then as they get more confident you can do more jumps and intervals but one of the things that my kids love so I do roll reversal so I'll make them follow my hand for a while and then I'll turn them and say okay you're the teacher and I always tell them be a mean teacher make this really hard for me and you know what they will so and they love it they're smiling they're laughing and sometimes I will deliberately make a mistake and I'll go oh I don't think that was right and sometimes I'll ask them if they can help me fix it and this empowers them this empowers them they 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 have fun they're learning about uh, they, they don't know this but they're learning about the introduction to sight singing and to reading music it's all wrapped up in a really fun game and this also uh, the other point that I think again I said this before make them laugh Singing is supposed to be fun, and we don't need to take ourselves too seriously. That does not help anyone or, or any performer in any way. But So games help to, if you, you see smiles, if you hear laughter, you know that they are starting to relax, and you'll have a better chance of getting them out of their shells and really hearing their, their voices. So the next, uh, the next little comment... Um, I think is one of the challenges in being a voice teacher and that is the 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 point about choosing repertoire 
we really have to choose repertoire carefully. And it is challenging because it's not just about age-appropriate repertoire, but ability-appropriate repertoire. Because if we choose a song that's too challenging or say a piece, maybe it's a musical theater piece, and it requires a big personality, it's a big character piece, this, and they're not ready for it, this might make them uncomfortable. And we want to find songs that they like, obviously, and that allow them to succeed and build their confidence. And the same thing goes on the other side of it. If you choose a song that's too easy, they're going to get bored. So in choosing repertoire, we have to really watch our students and, and, and we have to make sure that they're comfortable. They're being a bit challenged, but not too much. You know, the song is really, uh, you know, at their ability level. And, and that is very helpful in helping our shy or anxious singers. Now, this is a tricky one. And I know some of you may disagree with that, and that's, that, of course, is fine. But sometimes you need to let them choose the repertoire that they connect with. Ooh, you're cringing now. I know, I know. You, they, they could bring in some completely not age and ability appropriate repertoire. I get it. But sometimes letting a singer choose their favorite song, maybe just as an exercise in the teaching studio, can give them that boost of confidence so they can demonstrate their big voice. And uh, again, you know, you'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to take your chance with that. But sometimes I've had a student bring in a song that they really love, and all of a sudden I hear a voice that I have never heard before. And what's awesome is once I've heard it, they can't go back. Because I'll say, wait a second, where did that big voice go that you just showed me? You use that voice in this song, or you use that voice when you sing these exercises. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes they bring in a song that's even more challenging, and it doesn't work out, but play it by ear. <laughs> that is a recommendation that, uh, that I think works really well. Now, for the private music teacher, um, sometimes, um, sometimes our singers... Uh, can really benefit from choral singing. And, you know, it's a strange thing. Sometimes uh, you'll have a singer that's enrolled in private music lessons, but they are not participating in the choral program at school. It's very strange. I see that a lot. So sometimes they need a little nudge. So I always encourage my singers, make sure you join the choir at school because the more you sing, the better the singer you're going to be. And singing in the choir is so much fun. But if you are a private music teacher, you may have singers, um, and this could be adults, this could be kids, that they're not ready. They're just not quite ready. Maybe that voice inside of them is just too loud. Um, they're not ready for solo singing. So one of the things I started doing many years ago, and I find it's very effective, is I would choose um, either a very simple one-part or two-part choral piece, and I would teach it to all my private students. And then this gives my shyer students, my newer students, an opportunity to participate in the recital without the pressure of singing a solo. And then now that they're at the recital, they're going to see all the other kids sing. And often when they see other children, other people their age performing, then they go, oh, wait a second, I can do this. And I find that the a simple choral ensemble um, is easy to add into your recital. And it's actually an interesting part of a recital. So it's a great... 
it's a great way to uh, indoctrinate <laughs> a singer into recitals and to performing, and uh, a great opportunity. Um, the other the other thing with uh, with recitals for private teachers is one of the things I've done for many years and I don't think I would ever hold a recital now without one is I do group rehearsals and I basically it's an opportunity for the singers to come work with the accompanist uh, and they get to sing in the church where the recital is now yes this is uh, obviously a donation of my time because I don't get paid for group rehearsals. Uh, but I think it's important because for a lot of singers, their first time performing, they need an opportunity. They need, they need a dress rehearsal. And I find that this really helps my singers who are anxious, who are first-time performers. Again, they're seeing their peers, their friends, their uh, uh, singers the same age as them performing. Some of them are a bit older, some are a bit younger. And it just lets them know that they're going to be okay. And it helps to alleviate the performance anxiety and the stress. If you have the ability and your schedule and your time and where you teach to offer group rehearsals before recitals, I highly recommend it. And if you don't, if you, your studio is not set up like that, um, or it would be extra cost to you, then my recommendation would to be is to have in-studio mini recitals where the student can bring a friend or mom and dad or grandma, grandpa, and people come into the studio and it is the singer performing the pieces that they've been working on. That's also very helpful and highly recommended. This is also really good when you do in-studio um, recitals, mini recitals. This helps to alleviate any tension at home with practicing because sometimes kids don't want to practice. They don't want to be heard. They don't want mom and dad listening to them. So make them sing for mom and dad in the lesson and then singing at home is not going to be that stressful for them. And then the last point that I wanted to just bring up, and uh, again, something that I think is really important, is make sure that you have opportunities for your singers that are friendly performance opportunities, non-competitive opportunities. And uh, I think that that's really important. Not every singer is wants to be in a competition. Not every singer wants to participate in exams. I highly recommend exams, but it's not for all my singers. So I'm not going to pressure them and I'm not going to make them uncomfortable, but it is important to perform. So whether it's recitals, uh, whether it's like a coffee house, if you're, if you're working with teens, you know, a, a, a casual coffee house type performance is a really great idea. I have actually several colleagues that do coffee house type recitals and they are a huge hit with their studios. And, um, uh, and, you know, because our singers need these opportunities to perform and they need the opportunity to succeed. They don't need to be compared to other singers. They just need to uh, have fun. So that, the, the, hopefully you found some of those strategies useful. I hope that you get a chance to try some of them. As with everything, you are more than welcome to comment or contact us here at The Full Voice. We love hearing from teachers. Please feel free to uh, place your comments on the page below the podcast. And of course, check back with our, uh, we, like I said before, we've got great guests coming up, great ideas, and uh, I can't wait 
wait to share with you the ideas. So this is Nikki from The Full Voice. I would like to thank you for your time today and uh, thank you for joining us. And I hope that you'll join us again soon. Have a great day and happy singing. You have been listening to The Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.